Welcome to Delivering More Together, the podcast brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs, VHA Innovation Ecosystem. I'm Bryn Cole. Now, if your first thought is that a podcast hosted by the federal government sounds like a total snooze fest, I challenge you to stay for a listen and let us change your mind. Here, we'll open your eyes, well, ears, to the groundbreaking innovation underway at VHA and how through innovation and collaboration, VHA is exceeding expectations, restoring hope, and building trust within the veteran community. Today's episode highlights how the VHA innovation ecosystem through the Innovators Network is empowering innovation at the grassroots level by sparking and supporting employee-driven frontline innovation. Allison Emrine, Charles Franklin, Terry Olinger, and I Bryn Cole, talk about how we are all delivering more together to serve veterans. Hi there, I am Alice Memorine, the Director of Operations for the VHA Innovators Network, and I am so excited to speak with a number of uh, folks today for the Delivering More Together podcast um, from the Innovators Network as well. Um, so let's do some introductions. Um, first, my co-partner in crime, um, Director of Programming, Bryn Cole. Do you want to introduce yourself and, uh, you know, tell us where you are, what you do, what you like? Absolutely. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Bryn Cole. I am the Director of Programming for the VHA Innovators Network. Uh, INET is a virtual community, so we are scattered all across the country. Um, I myself reside in the Green Mountain State, oh, beautiful Vermont, and I like a lot of things. Um, this work, particularly these people, the stories we are about to share in here. Thank you so much. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Innovators Network itself and how the the community uh, supports employee innovators. And uh, we have two employee innovators uh, talking with us today, um, Charles Franklin from Boston and Terry Olinger from Cincinnati. Um, Charles, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about um, who you are and your background to what you do. And uh, we'll get into your specifics with the Innovators Network in a bit. Just, just let us know who you are. Uh, yes, my name is Charles Franklin. I'm the Community Employment Coordinator at the VA Boston Healthcare System under the Healthcare for Homeless Veterans program. Uh, been with the VA for five years now in the same role uh, with Boston Healthcare System. And primarily my role is connecting community resources, employment resources, school resources to veterans that are struggling, experiencing homelessness or at risk of experiencing homelessness. Thanks, Charles. Um, Terry, how about yourself? Um, I uh, am a 24-year Army vet uh, who retired in 2013, and I've uh, been with the VA for 20 years. Uh, started out in the intensive care unit and moved on to the recovery unit, and I've been uh, the nurse case manager for eye surgery for the last three and a half years, and um, I took a hiatus to spend a little time in Iraq and uh, where I was a trauma nurse. I've got three children and I hope to retire in about five years. <laughs> I, I think that um, you deserve to uh, after a uh, very productive and uh, illustrious career. So thank you all for being here today um, and for you know, sitting down, having having this chat. Um, Bryn, tell us a little bit about um, how you how you see Innovators Network being best positioned to deliver more together. So, in the line of um, kind of the theme for for this podcast, how does Innovators Network fit into that? 
Yeah, it's really incredible um, to see how this uh, community, this network grows and builds and expands um, each year with um, the new people who who become involved, uh, when folks move on to, to other roles, how they stay connected with the network and, and help us grow. Um, I've been involved with uh, the Innovators Network, or INET as we call it, uh, almost since its inception. And I've really seen it move from the eight initial test sites. Uh, I was in San Francisco as the uh, Privacy and Freedom of Information Act officer there. Um, it's wild how how careers can can um, can change throughout throughout the course of one's life. But um, so San Francisco was one of the original INET sites. And it was really fascinating to see how this initial, um, you know, test based on uh, a human-centered design uh, project over the course of about a year um, really, really hit the mark um, in in giving employees what they had voiced that they had wanted, um, which was a networked uh organized approach to getting at the work of frontline innovation. Um, I think that the fact that the VA has such a, a rich history of, of, you know, medical innovation, of, you know, program innovation, um, and that that work was able to be done um, in past sort of iterations is, is fascinating. But now the way that INET and the VHA innovation ecosystem and the VA as a whole is enabling um, this work, you know, it's being done because of the system and not in spite of the system is, is truly remarkable. Um, when folks get together, um, and that could be in person in previous years, you know, this year has been really challenging uh, in a lot of ways for a lot of people, you know, professionally, personally, all across the board. Um, but even the excitement when we're on a virtual platform, video chatting with one another, seeing the connections, seeing the relationships that are, are created and the, the, the spinoffs of an initial, an initial idea and how um, they get better <laughs> with, with uh, continued collaboration, with new perspectives um, is just truly not just fascinating, but really energizing. And I don't know if I need to get uh, into, into specifics and, and belabor the point. I have so many stories that I could share that I will share, um, but I don't want to take up all of the airtime. Um, I, just, I just love this work. No, excuse me, that was perfect. Um, and you touched on two things briefly that are going to be uh, awesome segues into what Charles and Terry are doing. The first one, can you tell us a little bit more about what human-centered design is? It relates a lot to, to what Terry did. Um, and and I'll use it to uh, to breach that divide and have her introduce her, her work a little bit. But can you tell us about human-centered design and how it fits yeah. into the network? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the basics uh, of human-centered design are exactly what the name sort of uh, suggests. It is um, designing solutions to problems that humans faced based on true human needs, wants, and expectations. And it can sometimes be sort of the antithesis of how people assume that the federal government um, approaches things, which can often be very um, system focused. Uh, this is the ground, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This is like the the initial approach um, to everything that that we're trying to do. So it's ensuring that when we see a problem, we're not jumping to a solution um, without really taking the time to understand fully what uh, the problem is, where it's occurring, why it's occurring, um, the various uh, complexities of it, how people um, experience it in, in various ways, and learning from them, um, you know, really uh, listening, uh, leaning into empathy, observing, um, 
There's contextual inquiry, observational inquiry, um, and then taking all of that qualitative and sometimes quantitative information and then posing a solution, a potential solution based on what we're learning from people. Um, so it's it's fascinating the the various iterations that uh, an early stage prototype might take uh, based on a combination of human centered design and um, you know rapid prototyping paired with customer feedback and I think that Terry is going to really um, shine in in this. Um, area and Charles as well, his project, what he's going to be sharing with us is based on, um, you know, massive pivots uh, due to uh, an extreme change in in conditions uh, across the board. So HCD, you know, really just a creative, iterative um, approach to problem solving that uh, focuses on the humans first and takes, um, you know, systems into considerations secondarily. Yeah, my my other uh, segue is going to be about what you mentioned with, um, you know, the the, the pandemic uh, causing the need or um, perhaps magnifying the need for innovators to be uh, nimble and pivot. So uh, that that goes exactly with what you said to, to Charles uh, to Charles' work. Um, before I pass it over to Terry to, to talk to us a little bit about what um, what she's done, how it relates and fits in with the um, with the human centered design model, and, and how it, it all works together so that we build the best solution for, for veterans. Um, Bryn, let's, let's talk a little bit about how um, Carrie and Charles were both uh, supported through the Innovators Network and, and introduce the idea of an investment in Sparkseed Spread. Um, I can, you know, start a little bit here. Um, on my end, um, Sparkseed Spread is essentially the Innovators Network. It's, it's INET's employee innovation competition. Uh, we we scan our 33 sites throughout the VA healthcare system, and we ask for uh, frontline employees to give us, you know, solutions to the challenges that they face every day, and um, we support them through kind of project management, uh, some some resources, some funding. And, and then, Bryn, if you want to talk a little bit about the uh, programming that we built into uh, Sparkseed Spread and the Accelerator, um, that'll be uh, perfect. Awesome. I'm actually going to take this opportunity to turn it around on Terry and Charles. So y'all are doing your jobs. You're at work, you're doing your thing, and then suddenly something pops up from the VHA Innovators Network. It could have been directly from your innovation specialist. What is your origin story with INET? I, I can start with, um, with my experience. I had a lot of patients who I had to order a lot of drops for um, more often than necessary. Uh, however, the one that really striked me, strikes me the most is I had a patient who was labeled noncompliant. And um, he was almost blind from his glaucoma. And I asked him why he wasn't using his drops. And he uh, plainly told me that he just couldn't squeeze the bottle. Um, and that kind of broke my heart that the reason he was going blind is because he just couldn't do his regimen. Uh, so I started researching the Internet, looking for a solution to his problem. And there really wasn't anything that could help him because he also had um, arthritis in his hands so badly that squeezing the bottles is was impossible for him. So I started kind of doodling on a notepad different ideas, and Kismet would have it, I guess she would call it, that an email came up on my uh, on my Outlook about the Innovators Network, and I instant messaged. Um, Lindsay Reigler, my uh, specialist, my innovative specialist. And she said that is exactly what they were looking for, were ideas like that. And fast forward, 
and I created Droppies, which is um, a system that helps folks with manual dexterity issues be able to deliver their own eye drops, um, even though they have very weak or disabled grips. So this is Bryn, and I just want to sort of chime in that what Terry's talking about, the fact that her patient was labeled as non-compliant, that sort of systems that do not work for the humans um, who interact with them. So through no fault of his own, um, her patient couldn't couldn't do the thing that the system had had required of him and, and didn't design a solution. So what we do within INET is we teach our employees um, how to solve problems um, differently, you know, with human-centered design. Um, we also embrace lean startup methodologies um, that, you know, rapid prototyping, um, really not using an enormous amount of resources designing something without, um, you know, checking in at every step along the way with the people who would be impacted by them. Um, so Charles has another interesting example um, in a completely different sort of uh, side of the house that I didn't, I'd invite Charles to sort of talk about his origin story within the Innovators Network and how he got involved. Okay, uh, thank you. Well, I'll start with uh, kind of how the project began. Uh, well, over three years ago, I was working with a bunch of veterans in the South Shore of Massachusetts. And the problem we were finding is a lot of veterans experiencing homelessness that were being housed kind of outside the city of Boston, where a lot of those at risk didn't have sufficient transportation, and there's not a very sufficient transportation system in the area. And I was being asked to work with these veterans that it was just very difficult to get them back to work without transportation. So I started, I was basically at a point where I couldn't do my job without the veterans because they're, say, located wherever at no fault of their own, and they can't get to them from work. So I, was talk, I came up with an idea one day. I was like, well, maybe we can use Rideshare. And kind of jokingly, I mentioned it to a nonprofit organization. And the nonprofit said, yes, uh, what if I funded 10? Kind of let's try it out. And we had a 100% success rate on getting veterans employed and them sustaining employment with those 10. So we wrote a white page article um, with that is public published and come the summer of the next year innovation specialist reached out to me and actually recruited me said this is the project we want uh, you want to partner with it I said sure let's do it so we submitted the application at this time um, the innovation network was still a little bit kind of uh, unknown to me but I began to appreciate it very quickly. So once approved for the project, I was able to, that first year here in Boston and in Memphis, Tennessee, we provided transportation for veterans to get to and from work. And that first year, we were able to get over 47 veterans employed. We only got to do the project for about six months because getting Right, share contracted within the VA was not an easy task. But the following year, we started the spread. We're doing ride share at 13 campuses across the country right now. The majority of them out in Vision 21. Um, and then once we're contracted, we're up, we're ready to roll. We're getting veterans to and from employment and more and more social workers were coming forward being like, transportation's a huge issue for us. And doors started opening up everywhere. It's like, well, everybody wants the resource. How can we get it to them? And then right about that time when all that was happening, COVID-19 hit. And with little bit of transportation support we had, almost went, was no longer in existence. All volunteer driving programs were pretty much shut down in COVID. We had veterans in the community that were unable to get food or were high risk 
uh, going to a food pantry would have meant standing in long lines for three hours. We have veterans um, going to chemo radiation every day on public transportation during the peak of the COVID. So immediately it was like, okay, a very complex problem we have, but a very simple solution here. And in great respect to what the innovation program's all about is I called them, I mentioned the idea how I wanna to pivot to have rideshare support all these efforts, get the veterans off the public transportation that were high risk, get food to the veterans, support those with high medical needs so that we could really mitigate the risk to them uh, during these difficult times. And basically without hesitation, they're like, yes, do it. And in that retrospect, it really was a confidence boost saying, wow, okay. So not only are they funding this project, but they really have the uh, confidence that I can achieve this taking on the right path and do this. So almost immediately, we got veterans that no longer had the ability to take the volunteer transportation, whether it's through Cancer Society or DAV, and we're able to get them chemo radiation. And then not only that, we delivered food to over 1,400 veterans in a matter of two months that were considered our most vulnerable population. All these veterans had pre-existing conditions or were geriatric. So, and Charles, I'm going to interrupt you because I want to talk about that specifically uh, in in a sec. Um, so, um, there are a few few phrases that you mentioned there that I, I'm not sure that listeners will be familiar with. So, okay. I want to bounce it back um, to to talk a little bit more about um, and and you both mentioned it so that that moment that you found out about the opportunity within the Innovators Network, um, you saw that, um, or were recruited to participate in Sparkseed Spread, and and you mentioned um, spread and um, the, you know, talked about the the different levels of, um, and funding and and investment. Um, for, For listeners who, again, you know, aren't familiar with Sparkseed Spread. The it's not only our investment program, like I mentioned, um, we're investing in the employees as well as their their project and their um, their idea, their innovation. Um, and the the reference to Sparkseed and Spread uh, relate to different levels of maturity for the idea for the um, for the investment at the project itself. So. For example, um, Terry's project is a spark. Um, a, a spark level project is really about um, early stage uh, ideation, fleshing out a lot of, of that human-centered design work um, and, and doing all of the steps to um, design a, a prototype um, for uh, for the user with the user. Um, the, the middle seed investment level is really about, um, you know, you have a prototype, does it work? Uh, it's about a, a feasibility test in the real world on a very uh, small scale. Whereas in, um, Charles was talking about spread. And spread is, um, you know, a, a multi-site department um, however you want to look at it, uh, larger scale pilot to ensure that the idea truly is feasible across a diverse um, setting or a diverse population um, in a different geographical area, et cetera, before we would ever consider anything to be um, best practice or, or a promising practice. We want to use Sparkseed Spread to flush all the bugs out um, and really develop it, uh, have time to design, redesign, um, pivot if necessary. So as as listeners hear Charles and Terry talk, um, 
you know, to put that into context about um, spark seed and spread, if, if those words are mentioned. Um, and, and I definitely want to get to some of the details about um, rideshare in relation and response to COVID. Um, I, I want to uh, quickly flip it back to Terry to talk um, about the the design process and how you were able to um, work with veterans and how it was truly a, um, a design experience that engaged your user. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Terry? Sure. Um, when I first came up with the idea that something what didn't exist and started doodling and got a hold of uh, the Innovators Network and I signed up for the uh, Spark program. Uh, I was connected with um, QL, quality, uh, the Quality Plus, uh, and got a grant so that I could work with the University of Cincinnati uh, engineering students. And uh, we, uh, we uh, surveyed veterans to ask them what their needs are when it comes to eye drops and came up with our initial idea of a couple of different uh, eye drop designs and had them had a handful of them. Uh, there was about seven of them in the focus group, test them out and kind of see how they felt in their hands, um, how they, um, how they worked and delivered the drops in their eyes. Um, and they were all, actually just printed out on a on a 3D printer um, so that uh, it wasn't a high expense item. It was just to get the idea out to them so that they could uh, get their hands on them and give us some feedback. And then we took all that feedback back to the drawing board and um, put those ideas back into a new prototype um, because it's what they wanted, not what we wanted. Because our idea may not have been what they needed. It had to be what they needed, what would work for them. Uh, so we took, they asked us to put a longer handle on it to uh, make sure that it had a softer spot against the eye because it was a little rough against the eye. Um, so we embraced all those ideas uh, that each of those veterans told us in the in the focus group, and um, and now we are ready to move on to spread and develop a workable prototype and test it with veterans in a in another small group, another uh, maybe a little bit bigger focus group locally, to see um, if we if we're on the mark for what they want for for how it works. Um, what we came up with. With the uh, with their help, with the veterans' help, was a little squirt gun-like device that is a very gentle squeeze, and it doesn't take a lot of hand strength. Um, and it uh, was actually quite exciting to get together um, and hear their ideas, because there are things you don't think of when you're not um, disabled, and when you don't need to do this every day, and when you can't use your hands or you can't move a certain way and it uh it brings it opens up your eyes to uh what really is needed as opposed to what you think is needed thanks terry um and i think that is a, a lovely um sentiment about design that it you know opens up your eyes and i think that that is a, a, an excellent byproduct of working with um, working with the users and seeing what they need. Uh, it will ultimately be a better solution uh, because of that. And and Charles, um, you saw and you were experiencing um, you know a shift. Um, your your network of folks that you worked with, uh, the veterans you worked with, you were tuned into them enough to notice a shift in, in their needs for COVID. So um, you go in a little bit more uh, detail now about who you worked with in, in your area and 
how um, how you made the pivot um, for COVID? Uh, yes, quick question. Um, so you, you just uh, want me to go over, I just want to make sure I got the question right. Identifying the needs um, when COVID-19 hit, now I've pivoted the project to meet their needs. Yeah, that's great. Um, and yeah. talk about, um, you know, the, the ride share going into uh, the, the food with the food banks and things like that. Okay. All right, so I found myself when I was working with veterans coming in uh, March of this year when COVID-19 started coming around that the needs were becoming higher and higher. More of the veterans were unable to go to work or they were getting laid off, furloughed, and their needs were much higher at the time. A lot of the veterans were vulnerable and still they couldn't make healthcare appointments. More and more social workers, case managers were coming to me saying, we have this problem with this veteran. We need transporting here. We have, hold on, sorry, got, I was, uh, felt myself jumping around, about to jump around a little bit. All right. So during the difficult times with COVID-19 as case managers were coming forward and tell me about the transportation difficulties they're having with the veterans, especially once all the volunteer transportation basically ceased uh, to exist at the time, um, I thought, how can I pivot the project to meet these needs? And as I started to pivot and we started providing transportation, really expanding the project, um, it started off with simple making sure the veterans were getting in for um, basic sur surgical operations they had going on primary care appointments, these were uh, high knee veterans for say the chemo radiation treatment. More and more, we were realizing that the veterans didn't have access to food. And there's a large population of older veterans or veterans with pre-existing health conditions in the Boston area that just didn't have the means to go get food or it might not have been a good idea for them to go stand in line at a food pantry for two, three hours with hundreds of other people, especially with them being high risk. So we were able to pivot the rideshare project and actually deliver food to over 1,200 of these veterans. Um, each delivery consisted of about 60 meals and we were able to conduct these deliveries at all 13 sites across the country. But on top of that, we were able to get veterans off public transportation when needed only for essential health appointments for those with pre-existing conditions to really mitigate their risk. So not only in pivoting the project was I listening or kind of having the veterans identify their needs, but also the case managers was able to work with those social workers or counselors in listening to what the needs of the veterans to meet them as well, because they're, they came at it from much more um, healthcare perspective. So we were able to meet the needs all around and assist the veterans with their needs and wants, and then also ensure that the clinicians were able to provide the care and quality of service that they wanted. Hey, Charles. Um, I think it's interesting uh, to think about 
the fact that going back to kind of the theme of the theme of this podcast, delivering more together, if if either of you had um what would have happened had you not you know seen that email about Sparkseed Spread or um talked to your innovation specialist, you know, the the power of people and bringing um people together to make things happen and in particular innovation is is critical um and i i just wonder terry if if you hadn't seen that email what do you think what do you think would have happened um and where do you think you would be with with your uh with droppies and and you know how how does that how do, how do partnerships and networking, how did they play a role in your success so far? More than likely, there would be no droppies because uh, it was started as a doodle on a sheet of paper and it would probably still be a doodle as a sheet of, on a sheet of paper. Um, between uh, Lindsay Reigler and the innovative uh, work, connecting me with quality um with the QL group, connecting me with other veterans, connect, you know, and interviewing all of the veterans and connecting me with the University of Cincinnati engineers. All of us working together is what really brought about the product. Uh, it wasn't just, um, there would have been no way for me to navigate any of the systems without all of the input I've had. Um, the especially with uh, with Lindsay. She's uh, helped me get the uh, funding. Um, and then, the, of course, going to all the web webinars uh, have taught me a great deal about everything you need to know <laughs> to develop products and, um, and really just uh, how to interview my patients and uh, setting up uh, the focus groups and, and, uh, Without all of the individual's input, and especially without uh, the design capabilities of the engineers, without the ideas of the veterans, there would be no droppies, first of all. And without the funding and the motivation, because I've needed a lot of motivation to continue <laughs> uh, from Lindsay. Lindsay's been, um, been wonderful. Uh, this project never would have gotten off the ground. And um, I honestly think now with all of the motivation, I've been very excited with the, with the product. And I really think it's something that's been very needed. Um, I've gotten a lot of feedback from other veterans who've seen uh, and heard about it already and wondering when it's going to come out. And um, so I can't wait for it to be out there and available because if it saves the sight of just one glaucoma patient, I'll be happy. Hey, Terry, this is Bryn. I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but my, my dad is a veteran and he has glaucoma and he's in Vermont. Um, and he, uh, uh, I was, I was telling him about the various projects we have in this portfolio. And then I had this aha moment. I was like, Oh, Oh my gosh, I have to tell you about droppies. You know, I see him putting in his drops and he's, you know, he's, he's all right with it right now, but sometimes they get wasted. Um, and it just seems like, um, a difficult task. And as he gets older and hopefully dad, you're not listening to this and <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sharing your secrets, but he was like this, it needs to be out there. Um, so in, in supporting you in actualizing this idea, um, it, it, uh, has a personal impact as well, which is um, pretty incredible, um, about this work. And Terry touched upon, um, part of what we do with the programming side of the house and, uh, mentioning the webinars and how um, she's learned about things like, you know, customer feedback and, you know, um, iterating on your prototype, you know, uh, based on that customer feedback. And, you know, what we what we do um, in the accelerator is is very similar um, 
uh, to what you might find out uh, in, in industry. Um, there are some states and small business associations um, that, that run uh, innovation accelerator programs. And really what they are at the heart of it are, you know, fixed term cohort based programs that um, aim at accelerating the um, the life cycle of an idea, you know, this rapid immersion, this learning by doing, um, it comes paired with an investment um, that could be, you know, financially, some of our projects don't need any money, especially at the early stage. We really love supporting people um, in not spending money and, you know, learning about uh, the best potential solution to a problem before they request uh, dollars. Um, you know, training all of our investees um, at the three different levels received a tailored um, accelerator experience. Um, we get all of our projects together at our formal launch in the fall. It's usually the week before Thanksgiving um, for what we call our accelerator boot camp. Um, folks learn about, you know, the problems that everyone's trying to tackle. Um, this is the initial get together uh, where we build out our project plans for the years. And then we move into an eight month um, virtual accelerator webinar um, series. And and it's been really fascinating. Um, we're about to roll into our sixth um, investment cycle. So, you know, we function um, now we're aligned a bit more towards uh, the federal fiscal years. So the fiscal years go from uh, uh, October 1 to September, the end of September of the next year. And um, this past year, our current cohort, Terry and Charles, have an investment um, uh, this uh, this year, um, we tested our first um, collaboration with a startup studio outside of DC named FedTech, who's really helped us um, think through how how we provide this experience to our investees. Um, and we learned a lot this year. Um, I'm looking at some feedback that we just received in planning the accelerator program for next year. And back to this whole idea of, you know, why we're doing what we're doing and how we do it together um, and why we're uh, why we're leaning into human-centered design and you know the iterative approach and this whole idea of start small fail small it it all comes down to the value of rapid experimentation outside of um, true institutional impact until the idea is proven um, and especially in the medical space, you know, we need to do zero harm. Um, we're moving towards this idea of becoming a highly reliable organization. Um, and there's a lot of pressure to get things right on the first time. And we absolutely need to get things right when it becomes um, a reality in either our, you know, daily operational workflow um, or how we um, impact our our patients and our fellow um, you know, staff, but there's this incredible quote that I'm just pulling out from the feedback that we got from one of our participants. Um, and they say, I think just learning about the innovation process in general has been quite amazing. Thus far in my medical education, training and implementation, the underlying assumption is a linear one right answer to things. I really think the shift to an exploratory, iterative, innovative model is not only helpful, but necessary. So we need to have um, this type of environment and atmosphere where people can sort of suspend the, um, you know, the, the get things right on the first chance um, type of, of mindset that has to come along with a lot of, you know, clinical practice, the way that um, the majority of, of work that is done in um, the operational space the safe space that's sort of buffered um, where we can explore and where we can try out ideas and we can learn what works um, and and refine them um, together as we move through this process is is pretty remarkable um, and and I just love Terry how how your um, specific story really speaks to that yeah I think that the um, the idea behind the network and um, you know that quote is 
is pretty perfect. Um, and just to get just to get that through to one one employee, it's like a win in my book. But I, I'm sure that others uh, have felt the same. But I think that that's um, that's a that's a lovely lovely sentiment. Makes me proud. Um, and I I want to you know anything else? I want to just wrap up anything about you know, Terry and Charles, your, your, your projects, anything else about your work in particular, um, before I shift gears, uh, and talk a little bit about, you know, Bryn mentioned, um, bootcamp and then the accelerator. So we have some different phases, um, throughout the innovators network kind of year. Um, and the last one is coming up. So, um, I want to, you know, talk about that for a few minutes. Um, so if there's anything else, Charles or Terry, that, that you want to mention about, about your innovation, about your project, um, and about, you know, your, your time, um, as an investee, um, not now's, now's your time. Let's, let's, uh, you know, hear your final thoughts about that. Well, it's really not about my, my project. Uh, specifically, but I've noticed that uh, since I've uh, become so invested, <laughs> I find myself um, thinking in that manner, thinking towards uh, the whole um, the whole uh, investee type mindset. So anytime I, a staff member that I come across says, you know, I wish there was a way that we could X, Y, Z, and I say, well, do you have an idea? And if they say, well, yeah, I wish it could be, I'd say, you know, have you ever heard of the innovative network? <laughs> and I kind of pitch them <laughs> the, the whole program and, and, and send them uh, the email to see if they want to uh, apply for the whole program. Uh, so I kind of have my small commercial for the whole program each time um, any kind of staff member because I just think it's a great program in general. You're doing our job for us, Carrie. Thanks. <laughs> so helpful. Um, and uh, Charles, what about, what about you? Oh, uh, yes. So I would just like kind of add to get the listeners thinking about the uh, project and kind of where the providers are coming from or where the veterans are coming from. So a big part of the transportation piece is really in assisting in providing that hand up and helping with the overall quality of life. So without the innovation network, what I would kind of like to ask is those 107 veterans that we've used Rideshare to get employed that were able to obtain full-time jobs that we're struggling to find employment due to lack of transportation. Going into it, these veterans were down on themselves. They felt bad. They came to me looking for employment, but then they were already discouraged before that because they didn't have transportation to and from work. That's a very important piece, quality of life. I mean, put yourself in an apartment without any transportation. It's, it doesn't sound very appealing. So whenever I would tell these veterans about Rodshare and how I can assist them provide that hand up, I mean, it really put a spark in them and I noticed a difference in working with these veterans. I mean, it was almost like for the first, they were encouraged to get back into the workforce and that was awesome. And the same with the mental health providers, put yourself in their shoes. Um, they were frustrated sometimes because they couldn't get veterans in to meet with them. They needed to see them face to face because they were worried about those veterans. But the veteran didn't have transportation to come in. And then also about those 1,200 high-risk veterans were able to assist and provide services to what if those 1,200 would have taken public transportation or went and stood in line three hours at the food bank? So it really is 
rideshare has been tremendous. But a huge part of the thank you goes to a company I'm contracted with Architecture Solutions who actually made it all possible. They do all the route scheduling. Um, they do the communication with the providers. Once the route's scheduled, they communicate with the veteran, make sure the veteran can catch the ride. So in a sense, this is a partnership that couldn't have worked without that contractor. But we met so many needs with it in working with that contractor that I would just kind of like to leave with thought with a lot of what ifs there. Thanks. Thank you both. Um, those are awesome uh, accounts and I think that they're Again, they just make me really proud um, to do what we do to be able to support you all, um, which then, you know, trickles down and, and supports veterans. And it's um, an absolute um, honor to be able to do that. And um, going back to these stages that we use throughout our year. So, um, Bryn, tell us about um, Ignite accelerate what's the what's the last one what are we what are we about to do what are we going to kick off here soon ah well don't forget about incubate which is okay. true yeah but it's so hot right now it's so new <laughs> right but celebrate it's so important for us to celebrate take a moment i mean this work is never ending so it's not like we're going to give ourselves a pat on the back and be like we're done but um truly taking some time um to reflect on the enormous accomplishments um, the pivots, the failures, the um, successes, the um, the grit, the determination of of um, our employees, the impact they've made um, on our on our patients, um, their families, caregivers, fellow staff is is so important. So, do we want to talk about the innovation experience? Yep. So yep. that is my you know that is my segue into the. Um, the VHA innovation experience. So the innovation experiences are a chance to, to come together. Um, obviously not, not this year, uh, in the physical sense. Um, the innovation experience is, uh, usually a, um, a face-to-face -face event in Washington, DC, um, in October. Uh, this year it is, it's still in October, and um, it's still based out of Washington, D.C. at the National Press Club on October uh, 28th and 29th. Um, but the uh, experience will be virtual this year. So maybe in a way, there are opportunities for, for more folks to, to participate. Um, but it is our chance to celebrate. And, you know, as Bryn said, you don't give yourself a pat on the back and tie it up with a bow. And, and the, the work continues. It always continues. Um, but for like a day or two, it's a lot of pats on the back and uh, networking and um, trying to, you know, celebrate what has been done and connect with those who can um, help us continue the work. Um, so um, this is the third annual uh, innovation experience this year, but um, Bryn and, and Charles, uh, I know Terry has, has not been. Um, but Brennan and Charles, do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience with IX and, and what you think? Uh, and, you know, um, maybe your, your, your thoughts on participating this year? Brynn, go first. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, I think that this year is going to be unique. Um, that is for sure. Um, but the the agility of mobile platforms, I think, uh, will make it seamless. Uh, it's, it's it's hard for me to really envision um, how how it's going to play out, but I know I know that it's it's crucial to our energy to um, to the continued work that we're doing. Um, last year, it was, again, massive and incredible and just so unexpected, even, even as a member of, you know, the, the planning group, you know, we've got insight into 
the logistics behind it, who is speaking when, you know, our keynote speaker, all of the um, technical details. But until you arrive and and fully experience um, what's occurring, um, you just have no idea. It's it's truly remarkable. Um, a collection of uh, you know, VA staff, our frontline staff who are seeing and solving problems, both from the Innovators Network portfolio um, to to staff who are just tackling things on their own as well. Historically, INET has invited um, employee innovators who aren't formally in the INET portfolio to come share their stories of impact as well and get involved. Um, our, our siblings at the Diffusion of Excellence who are looking at, you know, spreading and scaling um, the ideas on the, on the larger scale um, have, have their annual competition, Shark Tank, live. Um, so that's remarkable. We've got, you know, industry uh, partners, academia, academia um, you know, VA leaders, uh, external leaders. It's just, it's just truly uh, truly incredible. I'm, I'm curious to see what Charles thinks um, coming from VA Boston yeah. and his perspective. Charles, what did you think of the innovation experience last year and what are your thoughts on this year? Well, I think the innovation experience for me was, first, it was a very rewarding experience. It was um, kind of gave a chance to really talk about on a bigger stage your project and what you're able to achieve. But not only that, but you get to communicate with so many different individuals and what they're doing across the country and talk about your project. And you're at a conference with a bunch of thinkers already. I mean, it's basically been in a room full of people that think much like you, kind of outside the box, and they're always trying to see how they can improve something. And when you talk about your project, the best part about the experience and being with all those individuals is they say, what about this? And they talk about your project in kind of a, almost a development way. And it's very informative and instructional and it really prepare helps prepare you for that next stage when you look to expand or grow the project because it kind of you're able to take what you learned at the conference from those other free thinkers and add it to your project or kind of look at it from all angles and then not only that speaking in the room full of all the people and everything kind of helps give you the confidence in your project, the fact that you were invited there and able to do it. So all around, a lot of positives. Uh, this year's, I plan on submitting the application to present. Um, hope to be there. And we'll see. And thanks, Charles. And Terry, um, you know, I'm so bummed you don't get to experience it in person this year. But um, again, Charles just mentioned the, uh, the the virtual demo opportunity for you to, to share your story and participate still exists. So you um, are we going to see? Uh, I say that in air quotes. Um, you know, virtually see droppies at IEX this year, maybe. It should be. <laughs> I certainly hope so. I've uh, I'm. I've applied, so we'll see what happens. Um, but I was actually there last year. <laughs> you were? I was. I was very quiet and in a corner. Um, I was just started. I was very brand new and very skeptical, actually, of the program. Uh, I really was. Um, and um, I was extremely shy, too, and waited to see kind of how this whole thing worked out. But by the, I mean, honestly, I just, I, by the end of it, I was asking advice of everybody I could find, actually, um, to see uh, how the next year is going to be and, and who, who can I contact about uh, 
things like um, patents and, you know, and, and uh, do they, did they think it was worth it and kind of interviewing them to see if I should continue in the program. And um, they all gave it, you know, super thumbs up. So that's what, uh, you know, got me hooked there. And I just, you know, just kept on going from there. But yeah, I was there. It was very, uh, I Did your facility quiet. send you? Yes. Wow. At the extreme. I, I got. That's uh, extremely rare. That's amazing. I was uh, so very, very last, last, last minute. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, That's amazing. So Terry. Did not know. Terry, I'm curious. What, what changed for you throughout that event? So you show up, you're a skeptic, you're in the corner, you got your arms crossed with a stink face on. Well, I didn't have a stick face. But he would <laughs> never. He wouldn't do that. All right. Um, well, just all of the uh, the speakers were uh, kind of like uh, I don't know rock stars of the marketing community, you know, or of the you know the innovation community. They were um, they just had so much zeal uh, and so much to offer and um and just listening to everybody else's creations and and ideas made me feel like I wasn't alone in this and that there really was people supporting mm-hmm. the ideas you know cuz when you come from you know like I said I'd been with the VA for 20 years um and Back in the day, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of support for ideas, you know, mm. and um, so it's uh, it's just exciting that there is a lot of support for ideas and change. How how did that event make you feel? Accepted. Both of you. How did it make you both feel? Accepted. That's a great word, Charles. Mm. Uh, it gave me a sense of accomplishment achievement so proud oh that's so good that is so you know, good guys. I, I feel that way about you know i'm i'm not coming from that same you know perspective i haven't created any any anything or um had the the experiences that that you all have with these these projects of yours being your you know they're your they're your babies um and every time I'm there, I, I feel like I, my feeling is always pride. I'm proud to work with people who are so passionate about um, other people, um, you know, which is kind of rare sometimes. And there is no one more, more passionate about veterans than the providers that I've seen um, and met with at different VAs. Um, so pride would definitely be my, my word as well that would describe IEX me. Bryn, what about you? So before I get into that, though, I'm going to push back on something you just said, because you said that you haven't created anything. And my friend, you and I both know how much work it is to create this environment for for our people to be able to do the things that they're doing. Um, you know, innovating in isolation does not work. And it's about, it's about the people, it's about the framework, it's about the operations and the programming and our day to day to, to help our employee innovators close that possibility gap that we're trying to get at. So you have created, <laughs> you continue That's to true. create. <laughs> I do, and I I do feel like the uh, I when, during IEX I always I feel like all of uh, you know the Terrys and the Charles they're my babies. Um, so I guess it's the same it's the same sensation. It's just not quite as not quite as creative um, as as uh, as some of the the projects. There's there's no droppies in my life, but um, you know I do feel immense just immense pride um just being in in the presence of these folks but and and of Bryn uh you know we we take the delivering more together 
team very seriously uh, as the only kind of co-directors within the innovation kind of ecosystem um, sharing that responsibility. So um, we always are delivering more together because just we're, we are, we are two, two bodies, one heart. You are the yin to my yang. That's right. That's right, baby. Um, All right. But give me a word. What's innovation experience uh, feel like for you? Oh, I would say odd, A-W-E-D. It makes me feel odd at the advancements, the the dedication, um, the energy, and just this the scope of of all of this from you know the tiniest little idea, the tiniest spark um, to what seems like you know science fiction out there in the hall with one of the demos. Um, it just makes me feel odd at it all. Um, yeah. I love it. Um, I want to thank you all um, for for taking the time. Um, I am, um, again, so proud to work with uh, all three of you. And I know that that work will continue in the future. Um, thank you so much for your time and for your dedication. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening, and be sure to register for the VHA Innovation Experience this October 27th through 29th. If you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, essentially any podcasting app known to phone, computer, tablet, or woman. For more stories on veteran and veteran benefits, check our website, va.gov forward slash innovation dash ecosystem, and follow the VA on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and RallyPoint. No matter the social media, you can always find us with a blue check mark. And as always, the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast nor any media products or services they may provide. And we'll see you right here next time. Thanks for listening.